are declaring the truth. We are declaring the truth. We are declaring the truth. Oh, that's all right. Look at chapter number four, verse one. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now Paul says here that the Spirit of God says that deception lies ahead and that some would depart from the faith because of the false teachings. The false teachers of Paul of Paul's day were called the Gnostics. They taught that men should, as much as possible, abstain from meats, for food was material and therefore evil. Food ministered to the body and the body was evil. They also insisted that a man must abstain from marriage, for the instincts of the body were evil and must be entirely suppressed. Paul corrects this false teachings. He says, every creature of God is good if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Before you take a bite of, of your food, there is always to be gratitude shown to God for it. There is to always be a grace bef before each meal. The Jews had a grace for different things. When he ate fruits, he said, blessed art thou, king of the universe, who created the fruit of the tree. When he drank wine, he said, Blessed are thou, king of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. When he ate vegetables, he said, Blessed are thou, king of the universe, who creates the fruit of the earth. When he ate bread, he said, Blessed are thou, king of the universe, who bringest forth bread from the ground. And we know that Paul believed uh, in marriage. Make no mistake about it. And when you study uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33, uh, it, sh it shows the most beautiful description of marriage given by the Apostle Paul. So he corrects this false teachings by the Gnostics. All right, look in verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, that thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Now, Paul has warned Timothy of the apostasy and false teachings that were to come into the church. There would be men who profess to the faith and then come to the place where they deny it. In turn, Timothy is to warn the believers about these things. And if Timothy do this, he would be considered or, or looked upon by God as being a good minister. Uh, listen, a good minister keeps God's people from apostasy. Then we then we see that a good minister is also one who is nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Paul tells Timothy that he had already attained, but wanted him to maintain it in the midst of apostasy. Look at verse number seven. But refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Listen, Timothy was to avoid profitless tales like those which all women told their children. Instead, he was to practice godliness in his life. He was to only feed his mind and nourish his faith with the good 
magnificent, life-changing, eternal word of God. My God, I feel good right about now. Look at verse number eight. For bodily exercise profited little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. Listen, there are some who believe that Paul is uh, downgrading physical exercise. That is not the case. Paul's emphasis on godliness rather than on physical exercise is because the Ephesians were a people given over to games and uh, uh, athleticisms. Paul is not saying bodily exercise is wrong. He is simply saying let's hold things in correct perspective. Bodily exercise will help you only in this life because when you get your new body, which is eternal, it won't make any difference whether you have exercised this one or not. Because this body made of dust is going back to the dust. But godliness is profitable unto all things. In other words, a godly life is profitable both here on earth and in eternity. A godly life pays off not only down here, it will pay off in eternity. The prodigal son lost a great deal by going to the far country. And any Christian who lives a careless life rather than a godly life will find that even in eternity, he will pay for it. There is nothing wrong with physical exercise. In fact, I encourage all of God's people to exercise. It is important that we be healthy while uh, doing God's work here on earth. Paul is simply saying here that the physical ends at the end of this life. But godliness is carried over into the next. Alright, look at verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Paul is emphasizing the point that he has just made. In other words, here is something you can count on. It is the truth all by itself. You will never lose by living a godly life. Verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Listen, it is because life is lived in the presence of God and ends in his still nearer presence <laughs> that the Christian is willing to endure as he does. The greatness of the goal makes the tall worthwhile. Verse 11, these things command and teach, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbyter. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now Paul instructs Timothy to never allow anyone to despise his youth. Don't give anyone a chance to despise you because you are young. But in your words and in your conduct, in love, in spirit, 
in faith and in purity, show yourself an example of what believing people should be. This is God's standard. Six ways in which we should be an example. Then he tells him to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Listen, every child of God should give attendance to the reading of God's word. Every pastor must give himself to the reading of God's word because a growing pastor will make a growing church. A church will never go any further than its leader. Then he instructs Timothy not to neglect the gift that was in him. Listen, we should never neglect the gift or gifts that are on the inside of us. We must fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Then he tells him to meditate on these things and to give himself wholly to them. We ought to meditate on God's word day and night and to give ourselves completely to the studying of God's word and to the application of it. And Paul told Timothy, if you do these things, son, God will reward you openly. Everyone will see the ever-increasing knowledge, understanding, and wisdom of God in your life. They will notice you are going from glory to glory, deeper depths and higher heights in God. They will love and respect you as their leader because they will see you as an example of what you preach and teach. This is so important. Then he admonished him to always examine himself, making sure that he never teach anything other than the apostles' doctrine and that his life is always an example of holiness before the people. And if Timothy does this, not only will he be kept from the coming apostasy, but but also all that hear him. Declaring the